them dry bones easy cool connect to them dry bones easy cool connect to them dry bones welcome back to the Pony Island Whitefish we had a little one week hiatus uh, and everybody gracefully allowed us to do so but I am Andrew and I'm back with my dear sweet friend Riley who is now 30 years old he's a big boy now yeah I'm f- I finally um I what what opens up to you when you're 30 like the last age uh, is like 25 <laughs> where it's slightly cheaper to rent a car um yeah, maybe, okay. at 30 I guess I can I, I, I can engage in a lot more dad like small talk yeah it's good you could start grilling mm-hmm. um you could start getting very interested in your lawn oh yeah uh, i've been i've I've been looking up different because i i have a, a wooden desk <laughs> here we go <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no oh oh geez no i i've been looking up different kinds of wood polish for my wooden desk you want to get something nice and organic you could get yourself um some of that like scandinavian teak oil that's some good stuff yeah, so we got that. Um, we have a plant-based floor cleaner for the floors, like over the wooden mm-hmm. floors. It's a, the French call it a savon noir. This is black soap. It's really good. You don't have to wipe it off. You just let it sink in, and it cleans really? it and protects it. Uh, so okay. this is what I'm like now. <laughs> this is life now. You'll be yeah. starting to spot those gray hairs in no time. <laughs> you know, weirdly, I've had the I've had I've been salt and pepper since I was like 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice and early. My beard is going very gray now. Um, seemingly in the whole time that we've all been working from home. Uh, yeah, it's, you know what it is? Is you killed Santa Claus um, huh. with a drone. And now you're turning into Santa Claus. Be- becoming the man himself. Yeah, you are, you are turning into uh, the Oz Mocker. Oh, no. No, not the mocker of Oz. <laughs> yes, I've, unfortunately, now you, you're no. The Oz mocker is like King King Midas. Is that he? He wants to tell his family he loves them, but instead, all that can come out of his mouth is uh, mockery. I feel like the Oz mocker is a delightful concept to you. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> like just someone who's like a so, like, like an, an a non like a right wing columnist, but who's sort of like sees themselves as an an anonymous humorist like a gadfly on the rump of australia but who nonetheless has identical opinions to all the other you know like spectator shitheads like the only thing different about him is that his identity is a secret (laughs) to presumably protect his family or something it was so funny when the australian newspaper announced that they were going to have the mocker come on board and like they they were like this is going to tear the fabric of australian society apart this <laughs> is going to just all of the leftists in australia are going to do the bit from david cronenberg's scanners they start <laughs> clutching at their skull before it explodes showering gore everywhere here is here is the um here's the little blurb about the mocker on the australian if you were to go to the australian.com.au slash author slash the plus mocker you will see this description. B plus mocker. That's the mathematical equation for funny. Um, you will see a silhouette, a black silhouette of a mysterious figure, but they very helpfully have still put a a white shirt and a tie on so that you know that uh, he's a boring fuck who goes to an office. <clears throat> it says, The mocker amuses himself by calling out poseurs, sneering social commentators, and po-faced officials. 
He is deeply suspicious of those who seek increased regulation of speech and behavior. Believing that journalism is dominated by idealists and activists, he likes to provide a realist's perspective of politics and current affair. Damn. Um, and, and, you're say, and you're saying he jacks off while doing that. And uh, that's the Oz Jacker. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he works for the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, so, yeah, that was like three years ago. They immediately made a Twitter account for it that got like 200 followers. Uh, and then people instantaneously figured out who it was, um, which is just some right wing Australian Twitter dipshit. Yeah. Who helpfully puts on seminars like how to win at Twitter. Yeah, well, that's how. That is an actual, that's an actual conference that people went to. Let's be fair uh, to the featuring th- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, featuring three of the most dunked on people in Australian politics. Uh, and they did a thing about how to be good at Twitter. It's very cool. To be fair, he's so good at Twitter, he got paid for his tweets. I guess so. Can't, can't argue with that. Us. Yeah. Even amongst us can say that. The free market decided that the that Oz needed more mockery. Anyway, I'm sorry I bring up the Oz mocker every time we talk. It's just <laughs> I, I really love the idea of like a Batman right wing columnist who's otherwise indistinguishable from every other right wing columnist except yeah, that he has a secret exactly identity. The same. Exactly the same as everybody else. They all have fucking identical opinions. That's he's actually he's actually Sealy Booth. Oh no. Speaking of Sealy Booth beautiful FBI agent from the television show Bones, we are back to recap one episode of season five of Bones, and only season five. That's the only season we're ever going to talk about. Yeah, you want us to talk talk about a different season? Fuck clean off. Fuck out of here. Fuck that. Absolutely not. I actually do have one episode from season 10 I would like to do at some point. Well, we might do that as an addendum to the series when we're finished. But until then, we're stuck here talking about episode six, Tough Man in the Tender Chicken. What's, what does the title mean? Is that a reference to something? Uh, I, I would say that the word chicken is featured roughly 100,000 times in this yeah. episode. We have our bones mm. counter. We also have our chicken. We have our chicken dial. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, by the way, there is the... Um, strange regressive views about what um environmentalists are and are like as well this is being starting to be established as quite a theme isn't it Mm. uh this is i would say i call this episode in the next episode the twin peaks of season five of bones in as much as they are the pinnacle of what it's possible to achieve when you are desperate to make a police procedural interesting, but can't quite figure out how to do long arcs. Oh, God, no. Um, so for the chicken counter, the word chicken is uttered uh, 50 times in the script for this 45-minute episode. God, that's, I feel television. like what it is. It's, it's like something Stan... This, imagine if Stanley Kubrick was given this script to direct. God, that would I mean just because I'm just thinking about how like how repetitive movies like Eyes Wide Shut are and stuff. Like, if you could take because I think imagine the word chicken and the word bones probably occurs between. What is it between the two of them? Did we count the bones this time as well? The bones count for this episode shockingly low, 
50 utterances of the word chicken, only nine utterances of the word bones, which is way lower than the previous episode high of like 29 in an episode. <laughs> 50, 50 utterances of the word chicken. Um, and that, yeah, so 50, I, I think really, you know, Stanley Kubrick would have a lot of fun directing just a bunch of like, you know, sexual harassment scientists just saying the word chicken back and forth for a while while just inventing fantasias. So you've just given me a vivid memory of uh, when I lived in Melbourne and I, li- <laughs> I lived near this main street uh, that had, you know, lots of lots of uh, different different ethnicity supermarkets and stuff like that. And there was a nice Vietnamese bakery and you could go and get yourself a tasty banh mi. And when you go to the Vietnamese bakery to get yourself a banh mi, they always have the, the sandwich counter, you know, with all the different containers of ingredients for the sandwiches sitting there behind the glass sneeze guard. Um, and you say, I would like this and this, or in the case of a banh mi, you say, I would like a banh mi and they assemble it for you. And so I so went I'm in one day I'm familiar with the sandwich myself. counter. Went myself went to get myself a banh mi, and there was a very elderly European lady standing there in front of me, getting herself a roll made. And um, and the Vietnamese lady behind the counter is trying to figure out what the fuck this woman wants, um, because she's like, uh, you you want a pork roll or whatever the fuck? And the lady's like, oh, you, I I get the roll. And so, so the, the Vietnamese lady is trying to divine like what it is that she actually wants. So she just starts assembling a roll out of ingredients uh, at the sandwich counter for this old, old Italian nonna. Um, and then she reaches for like some slices of pork to put in. And the old Italian nonna goes, no, chicken. <laughs> and like... That is is just seared into my brain. This old lady screaming, no, a chicken. (laughs) She just wanted Um, some chicken on that roll. She didn't want the pork. She was solving uh, the case. Oh, goddamn. And there is a case in this episode of Bones that needs to be solved. And we begin the episode by setting up the A plot. Yeah. Hodgins and Bones uh, helpfully walking down a hall. And giving us some exposition as to how this corpse came to be here in uh, the lab. Andrew, I have a quick question for you. Because I took mm-hmm. no- we both take notes in the episode. That's how we do this thing on the, this very professional program. Yep. I didn't notice a B-plot. Oh, see, I, I had this very same thing. I was trying to discern what is the B-plot and even the C-plot in this episode. And I think I got it figured out. Okay. We'll, um, okay. I'll tell me. I'll po- I'll point at it. I'll tell point me it when when it, when it happens because I could be- the the a plot is a thin gossamer web of sort of of, of, of assumptions and shared illusions. Like the, the, like the a plot could be something that's written about like by like it seems this is an episode of Bones that seems almost like strange outsider art. Like, mm-hmm. Um. And I could not for the life of me discern a B or C plot. So I'm very excited to see what you have to say. But yes, yeah, tell I, us. Thought, I thought they are so excited by the chicken themed A plot that they don't even have room for, for a B or a C. They filled up on chicken. But I think that there is one there. So, okay. so we start off with talking about a, a corpse 
that has been found. And apparently, according to Hodgins, it was found by uh, woodchucks. Mm. And they see a group of little girls to which Bone says, they appear to be little girls. Yeah, fucking, that's why she's the best. That's why she... <laughs> it's <a> forensic <laughs> skills coming into play. Yeah. Just going uh, into to a which... mind palace, identified little girls. <laughs> Got that Terminator overlay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Hodgins says to her, yes, woodchucks are like Girl Scouts, only scientific and administered by the Jeffersonian. And they brought in a dead body to us. Hmm. Now, this threw my world into chaos. As soon as I started trying to comprehend the idea that the Jeffersonian Smithsonian Institute for Sexual Harassment also administers its own Girl Scout program. (laughs) That's right. Uh, All of whom also are just going to tamper with a crime scene. Yes, they were were apparently delighted by finding a dead body. We are informed that Dr. Temperance Bones Brennan is their idol. Mm -hmm. They applaud her as she arrives in the office. Without saying anything, of course. Uh, These these girls, uh, the Hart Hansen did not want to have to pay them scale. They just wanted to be extras. So they they silently boo and clap. You think we can't recognize Dr. Temperance Bones Brennan on site? Huh? We're big fans. So they've um apparently these Girl Scouts that are administered by the Jeffersonian Institute for Sexual Harassment have brought in a swampy forest corpse. Um and and that you know, Bones is informed that these girls have done a professional grade job of gathering samples of water, soil, mud, leaves, and all kinds of things from all around the crime scene. Because they all apparently also all want to be forensic uh murder people, mm-hmm. I guess. Despite That's being right. girls. And also if the if if a bunch of eight year olds who have a casual interest in this thing can do it, how come there's only like, how come there are like five top left flight employees at the Jeffersonian Medical Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment? If this is just something that can be done by interested amateurs to a professional standard, interested amateurs who are eight. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, this is an episode of Bones. So oh, this good. is a concept. This is a concept that we will never have to delve any further into as it is instantly dismissed and never returned to. No. Wait, oh, sorry. Setting something up in the beginning that seems small, that grows into becoming more significant as the story goes on? That doesn't sound no. like good writing to me. Good writing is just you set up things and then resolve them in a row. And then you say, what about this other thing? <laughs> good writing is good writing is quite a bit like... Um, uh, quite a bit like drunk driving. You just sort of, you know, you you hope for the best and you see where you end up. And, um, you know, it's not really sort of towards anything. It's just things happening. Yes, it's like drunk driving. Two hands on the wheel. Don't look too far ahead. Just concentrate on where you are at that exact moment. You know, that's right. <laughs> in turn, Wendell is back. We haven't seen Wendell mm-hmm. in several episodes yep. since Bones altruistically saved his job with her big time uh, author money, which we also haven't had any reference to in several episodes. Yeah, it's not a, it's, it, it'll come up as a B plot and then never again. Yes. <laughs> Unless it needs to as a B plot again. 
So we've established that there is a gross swampy corpse that was found in a river, yes. but it is also missing its fingertips. Uh, so Wendell is being sent back out to the crime scene to look for these bits of fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, they decide that Hodgins should join him on, on the way out to the crime scene. And these two are walking through the car park to the car discussing why the corpse smells like a fart. Uh, probably because it's a corpse. Now, it smells bad. Much, much like the previous episode of this show, what we like to do before the credits is introduce a tantalizing concept. We like to introduce an idea that is, quite frankly, mind blowing. And then we just kind of don't pursue it after the credits. But it's important to set it up at the start and make it sound like maybe something really interesting is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. Wendell theorizes that perhaps somebody has drenched the corpse in sulfur to deal with the dead body smell. Or maybe someone tried to put him in suspended animation because yeah, that would involve sulfides. And, 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 Hodgins and they, replies. Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you referring to ultra-secret military experiments which prolong life by inducing hibernation? Uh, yes. To which Wendell <laughs> says, uh, it's not even top secret. The army is doing field trials of hibernation in people. I have a cousin in Iraq. It maybe saved his life. Yeah, for sure. Why not? <laughs> One. <laughs> Love the idea that like um, they're they're using like advanced hibernation technology to like prolong the life of of fucking grunts in Iraq instead of just letting them all get absolutely cooked by IEDs made by local villagers. Just some guy. I also love that, like, again, in classic Bones style, Hodgins is like, DARPA is into some weird stuff. They had a master sergeant go missing a few months ago. Again, setting up a plot line that goes nowhere. Nowhere. Nowhere yes, at all. So, so we introduce here the concept that perhaps this dead body is the result of an ultra-secret military experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Tantalizing. Then we get back to the lab where Bones is asking... What is DARPA? Which is surprising that she would ask it because she knows fucking everything and it's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Angela informs her, <clears throat> quote, it's a, de- it's a Department of Defense Agency. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Hodgson mm-hmm. says they're into some pretty weird stuff like creating super soldiers who don't need sleep and can kill with their laser beam eyes. Yep, that's right. That's exactly it. Um, um, I personally believe that this is a psyop to make us take DARPA less seriously. <laughs> um, I, I personally also like that. It's just they are abs. They have taken. If let's just follow this journey, right? This cor- this swamp corpse smells a little unusual. Some reasoning. Some reasoning. Some reasoning. Anyway, this DARPA super soldier program, just on the basis <laughs> of what? W- wow. What if? Huh. Well, before the point of talking about drenching a dead body in sulfur, they had already had Hodgins list all of the other normal reasons that a corpse smells like that. Mm-hmm. He had talked about, like, methane trapped in the intestinal system, all these other things, like decomposure, all this stuff. Um, it is purely the speculation of Wendell saying, what if somebody drenched him in sulfur? To try and put him into suspended animation that has then got everybody at this place talking about a DARPA (laughs) super soldier who has been created by a secret government agency. 
Yeah, it's just like, well, look, we're going to do that. We're just going to absolutely have to. That's uh, <laughs> it. We're going to have. We're we're just going to have to assume that it's a super soldier. Uh, nothing. No normal stuff ever happens uh, as far as we're concerned. But then the thing, the weird thing is, that's not the big sort of suspenseful. What if they're dealing with something from beyond normality? Uh, the thing they introduce before cutting to the credits. That is something. There's something else. Oh yes, that they because as they try to establish if this is in fact the missing staff sergeant from DARPA. Um, Bone says, well, was that sergeant involved in these hydrogen sulfide tests that we also don't know anything about until five minutes ago? (laughs) And Booth says, well, DARPA wouldn't confirm it, but I tell you what, they sounded nervous. So you just give me the reconstruction of this guy's face that Angela has done based off of magic, his, his skull and her magical iPad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll show it to DARPA and they can tell me if it's their missing super soldier. And they show him the reconstruction, giving him a lot of warnings about, hey, look, we double and triple ran this magical speculative reconstruction. And it still looks like this. And they show him the picture and they are all agog at what they collectively describe as a half man, half chicken. Yes. Yes. Which appears to be a man with a beta chin and a big nose. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. A half man, half chicken super soldier. I don't know how they're getting half man, half chicken out of just like a picture of a guy with a very small chin and a big nose. (laughs) Like, I I feel like what they're trying to say is it looks like, you know, I don't know. It it looks it looks like one of the one of those like artists on Twitter who goes, hey, what if chicken little, but I turned him into a human? Yeah, yeah, it's it, 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 it is it is a guy with some strange features and they're saying, all right, so the investigation subject for this murder that we're investigating as the top murder detectives in the country is um, a chicken soldier, a super soldier that is half chicken. Yes, Booth says, You want me to ask the Defense Department if their experimental super soldier is half man, half chicken? Credits. Yeah, and then they just fucking hit you with that shit. They want to set it up as like, what is this X-Files shit that is happening right now? And right, the thing is, I think it's important to note here that, yes, Bones is billed as a crime and comedy show, but this isn't where the comedy is supposed to be. The comedy no. is supposed to be where they do like a little pizzicato and then Angela says something like, I haven't been fucked in two years. Uh, and someone's like, <laughs> uh, maybe you get got fucked by overtime. And she's like, as if that's the comedy. Like the comedy is this sort of strange, awkward interactions. Like this is supposed to be the drama element of this comedy drama. Also, this is supposed I want- to be making you go, "What the fuck?" Can <laughs> they do that? So, uh, also, I'd like so, to note that one of the people yeah. involved was named Suf Bradshaw. S U F E. Now, um, so we're establishing a clear pattern here with the show at this point, which is that pre-opening credits. We like to really get you on the hook, viewer, by presenting to you an X-Files monster of the week type, absolutely tantalizing proposition. Once 
the opening credits have finished, we will immediately discard this as a concept. Mm-hmm. We will immediately say, oh, of course the mummy didn't kill anybody. <laughs> it's a mummy. Obviously. So, um, so right after the credits, we're back in the lab. We are continuing as though the American army has created a chicken super soldier. Which, because to be this fair, guy has a slight bird face. <laughs> that, is, that is more that they have chased their sort of strange pre-credits concept in the past. It lasts for at least, I don't know, a minute, as opposed to the usual nothing. Yes. Um, and it's time for a classic Bones-ism, when mm-hmm. Bones says, if I were to combine human and animal DNA with an idea to create a super soldier, I would go with a flat worm. Mm. Again, something a 13... 13- Something a precocious 13-year-old would read in, like, an Animal Kingdom book and then write down in their diary, super soldier recipe, human plus flatworm, and then proudly show it to, like, their uncles or whatever and being like, I learned about an animal. And you go, good for you. And you take a big swiggy of beer. Uh, and she says the reason for this is self-regeneration, obviously, because she Duh. talks to everyone like they're a fucking idiot, which is meant to be charming for some reason. So, um, this dead body's sinus cavity is abnormally large with lots of scarring, which apparently could explain why he has a beak-like nose. I don't think it could. Either do I. I think that's just the shape of this motherfucker's nose. Yeah, I I don't think it explains much. I think that what they have done is someone in the Bones writing room said, oh no, it's, you know, Thursday evening or whenever Bones is supposed to be come out, (laughs) and we forgot to write an episode of Bones. It's just looking around their writer's room being like, uh, okay, what if, looking around, they see a chicken sandwich. Okay, chicken. Uh, let's go with that, I guess. Uh, what if it's chicken, <laughs> chicken man? Chicken man? Can we do a chicken man? Okay, it's got to be more than one thing. Chicken man. Okay, who would make a chicken into a man? Uh, who can make a man into an animal, an animal into a man? Oh, DARPA. No one really knows what they do. Okay, so I guess it's a chicken soldier. Okay, that'll get us 10 minutes. Put it in. Having memories of the 1980s, uh, 1980s sci-fi television show Manimal, I think I'm just going to play on that for a while. Also, so, I um, like that they said that the, um, I, I have a quote here, which is that number one, they find a worm or they're like, this worm is a parasite that's only found in chickens. <laughs> and then they were like, and the serious music plays over that. Um, and but they the, they say of the damage to his his sinuses they say the closest thing I've seen to this is a cocaine addict who ran out of drugs and started snorting anything they could find. This this was to me the standout line of the show as being the most idiotically cop shit I have ever heard. Oh yeah. Cam says the closest thing I've seen is a cocaine addict who ran out of drugs and started snorting things like sugar and powdered detergent. Yeah, just addicted to snorting. It's not the drugs that I like. It's no. the sensation of powdered substances running up my nostrils. It's the ritual. It's the ritual. I'm not addicted to the high. Yeah. I'm uh, addicted to rolling up a note. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just clearly, like the writers of Bones, I don't think are allowed to leave the writer's room of bones i think they're allowed to leave the bones bunker they're not allowed to leave the bones bunker they've been living as though it's the post-apocalypse and just like just dream just dreaming up what they think the world before the end times was like imagine the sheltered 
Amish existence you would have to leave lead to think that like a cocaine addict who ran out of cocaine would start snorting granulated sugar just uh, the lesser powders <sighs> imagine a fucking rough sugar would feel going up there hey I mean, I just, damn. These are these oh, are also. Oh, oh, this was immediately a terrible idea. I better try another powdered <laughs> substance. Oh no! I I hope this doesn't scar my sinuses, <laughs> such oh, that man. it will turn me into a chicken man. It's well, like, this is super. It's basically, that's a superhero origin story that's being created by someone who's in the middle of being trepanned. Like. Every, every conclusion that they reach is so fucking stupid because they're still looking at this shredded corpse. And as you said, um, Hodgins, the bug man, pulls out a gape worm from his ironically gaping hole in his throat. Which he informs them is a parasite that is found in dun, 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 chickens. No Leading way. camp to say, don't tell me we're back to super chicken soldier again. I never knew we left it. No, it's just a fucking parasite. Good God. So, now, we arrive at the point here where the very clever writers of this show must resolve the corner that they've painted themselves into, right? Yes, of course. We've set up this entire thing. DARPA super soldiers, genetic malfeasance, all, all kinds of interesting concepts, right? But unfortunately, that would require you to go to the effort of writing the rest of that episode. Oh, That's heavens, no, we about. don't want to do that. That's not what we're about here at Bones. <laughs> here at, Bone, at Bones HQ. Here at Bones Acres. So, allow us, the writers of Bones, to simply wrap this up with a nice bow on it. Booth is calling uh, DARPA on the phone. <laughs> you know, on the, Dar- the, the phone you know, that DARPA has. <laughs> you know how you flick your little Rolodex open to D, and then you call DARPA on the phone? And he's waiting on hold. He's waiting on hold. He says to Bones, oh, you make a super soldier. You'd think it'd be a robot or something invisible. You you would think that, (laughs) Booth, you know? I'd love it. I think that I would make an invisible robot before I made a guy with a weirdly big nose and no chin as my chicken super soldier. That's right. What what are the qualities of a chicken that we are trying to impart into a man? Do you think? (laughs) What are the... Flightlessness? What yeah? What improvements? What improvements does does combining the DNA of a chicken with the DNA of a man offer yeah, in the combined, soldier department? We've combined the flightlessness of a human with the flightlessness of a chicken to make someone yeah, it, we're very certain will not fly. We were hoping we could make our soldiers a little more skittish. <laughs> we were hoping our soldiers would be would be we could shave on our food budget by being able to scatter grain in the in the mess hall. <laughs> we want more more of a trough scented feeding approach. Yeah, yeah. We're we're, con- <sighs> we're concerned that we're concerned that when our soldiers when if our soldiers are decapitated, they won't have about ten seconds more life left in them. So um. So Booth is trying to he's trying to figure this out. He's on the phone to DARPA and he doesn't want to ask any leading questions. So what he opts to ask them is, does your missing sergeant look anything like an animal? Any kind of animal. Uh, and then he Pick waits. Like an animal, any animal. He looks visibly disappointed with the answer he's received, hangs up and then says, a bulldog. Yeah, a classic, 
the classic look for a DARPA master sergeant. Does DARPA have master sergeants? I think they're just oh. a science agency. God knows. So they're sitting there. Oh no! This plot line has ended. We need well, some kind of some kind of intervention from the gods to keep it going. And luckily, at that very moment, uh, Andrew, I have, a, I have a question yeah. for you. Before we go to that very moment, can in future, when a plot line just dies, can we have an <laughs> audio drop for that? Uh, let me see. I reckon. How about um, when a plot line dies? <laughs> Uh, that's good, but maybe for next next episode, let's get some funeral music. Oh, okay, that's good. I like that. Uh, so sorry. Then the, this plotline is dead. Long live the plotline, because we're yes. back immediately. Not without because. without a without enough pause between one plotline being laid dignifiedly to rest and another plotline <laughs> taking up picking up and and taking its place for more or less the rest of the episode. So um. As, as you have said, in this moment, they have not even stopped talking about the previous attempt to solve the mystery, which has, has gone fruitlessly, when a notification appears on uh, Booth's computer informing them that they've received a match through a completely unrelated search of DMV photos attempting to match them up against um, Angela's reconstruction of the chicken man, uh, thus rendering the entire DARPA slash defense... Um, Department of Defense slash super soldier plotline completely irrelevant. Um, Booth says, oh, we got a hit off of Angela's chicken man picture. And of course, oh, it is completely identical to the moronic reconstruction that she has created. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it, he worked at a chicken farm. Oh, that's because that's why. So we've gone p to past nominative determinism. And now it's like some kind of strange career related physiognomy. Yes. Yeah. Very much. Of course, the bird man would work at the bird store. <laughs> Obviously. He probably, he took a look in the mirror one day and was like, hmm, uh, where, where, where will accept me? Where can I not be taunted for my sort of exaggerated features? Where else but the chicken farm? Who else could commune with? Chickens understand me, you know, because they think I'm one of them. So, um, he worked at a chicken farm. His name is Nick Rabin, and he is the head of personnel at Cluxton Farms. Cluxton Farm. Yeah, just just a, another fucking humdinger, Hart Hansen. Cluxton Farms. So, it's time to take a trip to the chicken factory where it's time for more anti-activist propaganda. Yeah, that's right. Which, which we love to see in Bones. Uh, for example, as they pull up, someone with a sign is yelling... Save a chicken, fry a worker. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, a lot of protesters. Okay, I, I now believe that uh, Amy Therese was a guest writer on this particular show. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that this is, this is her opinion of, like, what eco-activists are. Um, is just, I'm, I'm looking to see who wrote this, actually. It's um, a different writer. It's, it's like one different writer every time. It's remarkable. Um, oh, God, there's a goofs on IMDb. Goofs. 
At about three minutes, Brennan appears ignorant of the meaning of DARPA. From the time she gained her first postgrad degree, Brennan will have spent an ever-increasing proportion of her working hours drafting project funding proposals. I say this with knowledge of the gripes of my PhD wife and her PhD best friend. Anyone who has ever investigated product funding, let alone draft proposals, cannot fail to be aware of DARPA, one of the major research funding bodies on the planet, among other things responsible for the development of ARPANET, from which sprang the internet. So no, Brennan's ignorance of DARPA is not convincing. This goofs. On IMDb. <sighs> Save a chicken, fry a worker. <laughs> Save a Which chicken, is just, fry a worker. It's just perfect, really. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, other other fun ones are clucking mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, chicken fried mistake is another one. Uh, there, there's quite a bit of that. Um, so yeah, there's uh it's a, a very interesting set of protest signs. Again, of people who are just there, like, what, all the time? Just protest? Yeah, like yeah, 20 yeah, this people. Is, I, this is the thing that I took away from it was I was like, so apparently in this small town in Washington, there's just like 30 people who can just stand outside Cluxton's chicken plant day in, day out, waving signs and being angry. Yeah, and, and like that's, that, that's their job. Uh, but all of they have lots of sub slogans and activities. Uh, it's all they shout "cluck you," uh, but it, it's as though they've been shouting it for hours. It's it's hours, and hours, hours and hours, just saying "cluck you, cluck you, cluck you." Now, when Booth asks the security guard who is there, "What's with the protesters?" He is informed, "Well, half of them are animal rights nuts." Mm-hmm. Which I think is uh, is like a good callback to the previous episode's um, suggestion that like any environmentalists are just like fucking psychopaths. That's right. Uh, which we all know, you know. Um, so when they get in there, they have a chat to Mrs. Raven, uh, who is not at all shocked by his death and is acting very sus, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. She's Absolutely. doing a lot of like... Oh, you mean he died and you found him in a river with the tips of all his fingers cut off? But this is Bones, so um, you you know for sure that it's not going to be her. <laughs> because that would make too much sense. That's a plot line. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of this exchange where they're interviewing the dead man's wife is that Bones says to her, Your husband's nose and sinuses were deformed. He didn't take the proper precautions at work, did he? And she replies, no, I told him, but he didn't care. He said he was a chicken farmer and he would take the consequences. Yeah, so that's like, uh, like, I'm a coal miner and I'm too much of a man to wear a helmet or bring this canary in with me. That's um, I'm, right. I'm, I'm working on this skyscraper, you know, bolting in girders, but I refuse to strap myself into the structure. I will never take a safety precaution. I knew the risks, and I ignored them. This causes Booth to say he didn't take precautions from turning him into a chicken, as though we are still <laughs> talking about a man who was being turned into a chicken. <laughs> we are still, we're still that on That plot it. line ended scenes ago. You know, when they realized they couldn't take it any further. That's, That's what, right. They just they just ended it. And we are... St- this is why I say, like, this is sort of strange outsider art. Where it's like, just doesn't... It doesn't make... 
Like, this, this wasn't written in a normal way. This was... I don't feel like this even got a first draft. I feel like this was dictated on the way to drop off the script. Um, just, just, just basically pure riffing that then had to get interpreted by actors and directors into something resembling a coherent storyline. Well, it's barely coherent. <laughs> like, I have a note here which says, Nobody who writes for this show is interested in taking their fun little concept from the intro past the third page. <laughs> now, uh, the wife of dead Mr. Raven tells them that Mr. Cluxton... That's right. Mr. Cluxton is the name of the owner of Cluxton Chicken Farms. <laughs> I mean, I believe in the power of nominative determinism. Um, and it's getting more and more severe as the episode goes on. Like, oh, well, my name is Temperance Brennan, but uh, I changed it. I was born as um, a, a, a precocious crime solve. <laughs> I've changed it to Bones McMones. I've changed so, my name to Bo I've changed my name to Bones. Now, she says, Mr. Cluxton said that Nick was next in line to take over the business. The first people you want to check out as suspects are those anti-chicken fanatics at the gate. Number one, I'm pretty sure they're pro-chicken. Yeah. And like number two, there's the, the follow-up to that line is the wife says, they always wanted to make an example of someone. <laughs> Again. Are they, are they constantly threatening murder? Is that what's happening? Like, might, might as well have been written by... I don't know, like a, a fucking Millennium Report or uh, a One America News Network contributor of like anti-chicken, anti-chick is going to is going to like you know um, uh, tear down all the statues and you know behead business owners and everything. God, these anti-chicken fanatics. Uh, actually, in, in 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 Germany, there is no such thing as an organization called anti-chicken fanatics. Anti-chick is more of a, a loose approach to politics. <laughs> oh my goodness so um so this is what uh the the wife of the dead man has told them we have a quick cut back to the Jeff jeffersonian smithers <laughs> jeffersonian medical criminal jeffersonian institute for sexual harassment <laughs> thank you where angela is sexually harassing hodgins <laughs> i have that written down as well exact line Yes, she has, uh, she has informed him that her self-imposed Volsell period is almost up. Wait, why did she impose that on herself? Maybe the answer uh, is in season four. I'm not interested to know we if We will is. not be finding out. We will <laughs> not be finding out. I refuse to find out. No. Um, she has imposed celibacy on herself, but uh, she, she tells Hodgins that it's almost done, and you know what that means, and then she starts doing, you know, the thing where you have, like, one hand near your cheek, and you push your, che your other cheek with your tongue, and it makes uh -huh. it look like there's a dick in your mouth. Oh, yeah. And he's so, like... Do I know that thing? <laughs> uh, and he's like, no. <laughs> no, I will not have sex with you, attractive lady. Now get, um, now get out of here. Stop sexually harassing me. Get the fuck out of here, obviously. Stop yeah. doing this sexual harassment on me. We then return to Cluxton. The yeah, protesters. After a 30 second scene where Angela's yes. like, I'm freaking horny. Um, just, just so you know what the twists and turns are. 
it starts as I bet one of one of those terrorists who's camped outside of our business, you know, the green people. Uh, I bet they murdered my husband to make an example of him. Cut, Angela. I'm horny. Cut again. <laughs> Back to the protesters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, protesters are chanting "cluck you, cluck you" in a very clever bit of writing. Um, there is a scintillating exchange as a worker demands uh, that the protesters get a job. She is then called a murderer, insists that she's just trying to do a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Again, Amy Therese. Amy yeah. Therese wrote this. Uh, the security guard steps out and tells her that she's just giving them what they want. Although I'm pretty sure what they want is ethical farming. Yeah, no, no. What they what they want is to virtue signal um, because they're actually PMC and um, they're secret liberals. And the real socialist thing would be to protest in support of the uh, murderous industrial chicken farm. Yeah, yeah. A pro farm protest. Why can't we have a pro farm protest? Yeah, yeah. Why can't we have a pro um, cutting the beaks off chickens protest? So basically, I, I then I have next of my notes, uh, Bones and Booth walk up to a guy and accuse him of murder because he yes. published a video of Inside the Farm. Well, they ask, um, they ask the guard, is anybody here like worse than any of the other psychotic anti-animal cruelty freaks? Um, he points out one of them and said, he's the one who got into it with uh, dead Mr. Rabin the most. Uh, they even had a shoving match once, and Raven punched. That's him. like murder. That's exactly like murder. Yeah, and I they was go up to him and say, guy. "Did you do a murder?" Because <laughs> that's how they solve crimes. <laughs> Just guessing. Just walk up Je- to people and go. <laughs> the Jeffersonian Medical Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment and Guessing. Yes, uh, they go up to people and go. Murderer says what? <laughs> <laughs> they wait to see what happens. Um, yes, well, well, they, they, this was another, I've written down BONESISM in all caps here, uh, as they go up to him and say, hey, Josh Parsons, person who antagonized the dead guy as he went into his job, Booth walks up to him and says, as of now, you are our number one suspect based on nothing. Yeah, yeah, as of now, you're our number one suspect because we had this chicken soldier thing a while ago, but it didn't really go didn't anywhere. Pan out. So didn't I guess pan it's out. you. I guess it's you. <laughs> It's got to be someone and it might as well be you. (laughs) Uh, So Josh says, oh, please, I didn't kill anyone. I'm an extreme pacifist leading Bones to retort. That's an oxymoron. You're either extreme or pacifist. You can't be both. No, it's not. No, it's not. I don't think that's how words work. (laughs) No, sorry. Yeah, that's it. I'm afraid. (laughs) I'm afraid Bones. I'm afraid. Um. Bones in the form of again, like a like a right wing columnist, I suppose. Yeah, I was right. Extreme pacifist. That sounds scary. It's got the word extreme in it. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. God Almighty. Yeah. Ah, God. I wonder. Like, I you kind of guess at the politics of the people who make the show Bones, right? Hmm. Definitely. What could? Because it's. Uh, it, number one, they would. I don't think they, they'd never consider themselves conservatives. I don't think. Like they, no. they, they, there's nothing in there that seems that way. I think they're just. They are a product of the '90s, 
whoever has written this show is very much a product of the 90s. Um, and I find it completely fascinating to sort of try and infer what they're like. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very interesting because there, there are these hints in the writing of people who think that they are all about, you know, truth truth and justice and making the world a better place but then there are things which are not intended i think to be an expression of their values which instead turn out to be people who go to protests and demonstrations are fucking freaks and terrorists yeah it's just the their view of anybody that just the way they imagine the world as a, a, danger, a dangerous place full of puzzles that need to be solved to make it safer for everyone. And the solving of those puzzles is an unalloyed good. And that's all they are is puzzles. Um, and the, the reason that this is an interesting show to talk about, really, is that like, the, what makes it funny is that that's an extremely reactionary story framework. They're just very bad at it. Mm, very much. Now, at this point, these protesters pour some shit over Bones and Booth in a kind of uh, very tame, tiring and yeah. feathering activity and all get mm -hmm. promptly embarrassed for the severe crime of embarrassing an agent. That's right. <laughs> just, you're all under arrest for being mean to me, Booth. Yes. You're all under arrest for putting a scary substance on me. Uh, so they take him back to the FBI where Sweets, with his powerful mind, is helping them interrogate. Uh, this guy. Uh, Sweet says, The FBI believes that you snuck into the premises to record a second video. You were caught by Nick Rabin and you killed him. I don't think it played out that way. Um, Booth yep. says, Dr. Sweets here says, You're not the type who could kill except in self-defense. Now, I mean, this thank leads you, them. Thank you, Sweets. And they say, now, now, you might think that this means that, you know, Sweets is, is being uh, relatively compassionate or whatever. But also, this is yet another time when somebody's fate is decided by pure speculation. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody who said... Very much the Roman Emperor um, gives you the thumbs up, essentially. I have analyzed you by looking at you for 30 seconds, and I have determined that you are not capable of committing a crime of passion. Mm. So, um, they you ask him to turn looking, You can tell a lot of things by looking at people... You can tell if they're, um, if they're chickens. You can tell if they're murderers. You can tell what kind of shoes they're wearing. So um, they, they asked this guy to turn over his source of like the, the original footage that he released. He refuses. So at this point, it's obviously the time to wield the power of the state in crushing this person into subservience. That's right. Uh, so Booth immediately says... Oh, you don't want to hand in the footage? I'm going to charge you for assaulting a federal agent. Sweets immediately joins in saying, that's a $200,000 fine and one year in federal prison. Ah, so a little bit of terror, I see. Yes, yes. For. We should note that Booth is completely unharmed at this point. He's already back in a nice dry suit. Mm. Everything's totally fine, but they succeed in scaring this innocent man enough into turning over information that he shouldn't have to turn over simply by threatening to destroy his life a, a simple threat to destroy the life what could be yeah. what could be better we get back to the lab must be time to have a little crack at establishing a cause of death 
Uh, the man has a broken neck. The fracture patterns suggest a, writh- a ringing motion. <laughs> We're back to this. You mean the chicken man was killed by having his neck wrung? Yes, Ironic, right? That. That's right. So cool. <laughs> Angela is reviewing the footage that was leaked from the chicken factory uh, and becoming quite sad while watching the footage of all of these chickens being horribly mistreated in this factory farming environment. Meanwhile, Bones, who is also there, struggles to comprehend a normal human experience which is taking place in front of her face. I guess this is kind of the B-plot. It just doesn't... Yes. I don't know what they're driving with it. It is extremely low effort. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very low effort uh, B-plot as it goes. Somehow we managed to move from... Uh, Angela being sad at watching all these chickens get butchered in horrible circumstances to Bone saying, they don't even count. Um, she gets mad Why? at Bones for, for not being sensitive to either the plight of the chickens or her own sadness about it. Somehow pivots immediately to showing her a picture of a piglet and saying that she yep. needs $1,500 to save the piglet. I, I, I don't know how or why or what program nope. that's with. Uh, there's no form. Uh, it's just a picture of a, just a photo, like a developed photo or a printed off photo of a piglet. It, it is a glamour shot of a small pig with $1,500 written on the back. <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm pretty sure a more interesting story would be that Angela Montenegro, the um, crime wizard of uh, Bones Early Place, uh, has been taken for some kind of confidence trick. Yes. Oh, I need $1,500 for my struggling pig. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get it from my absurdly rich boss. You Bones. know, the famous Bones woman. Yes. Uh, she hands out money for everything, like keeping interns and stuff. Bones doesn't care about this because she is a dispassionate robot, as we've established. That's right. Hey, it must be lunchtime. You know what that means. Everybody from the, from the Jeffersonian having lunch together. Um, <laughs> so exactly while this is happening Sweets tells us that he has been considering the symbolism of the murder and says that tossing this guy into a dam to float off down a river it's not very chickeny you'd think yeah. the victim would show up in a rotisserie or a deep fryer why why would you think that why have they not let this go- this, this this concept that he's a chicken man and therefore is essentially chickeny in some way is sort of holding on by the fingernails it just won't it's, go away it just keeps coming back keeps coming back um although when you think about it we have established at the previous points things that might have happened, and we didn't care to write a conclusion to those, which means that we need somewhere else to go from here. <laughs> now, you know how this show is all about forensics, right? Oh, I do. I've seen it. It's all about forensics. It's all about hard evidence. Instead, Sweet says you'd think the victim would show up in a rotisserie or a deep fryer, because that's something that you do to chickens. Yeah, that, that's Which chickening. causes causes Bones to surface a memory of one month prior when a chicken restaurant reported human phalanges or fingertips in deep fried treats. And all of a sudden, all three of them, Sweets, Bones and Booth, remember simultaneously this story from the news 
of a kid biting into a thumb, a mother eating a toe. They also all remember the name of the venue where this happened, which is a thing that totally happens for a mm-hmm. news story that you glanced at a month ago. Buck Buck Chicken's Hut. Okay, just another incredible naming. Booth says, maybe the toes belong to our victim. And Bone says, hey, if you can go and get them, we will match them to our victim. Uh, without oh, explaining well, how so that happens, he yeah. instantly has the fingertips back at the lab. Also, why did they keep the fingertips? Um, who who, who went and got them? Uh, why did the Jeffersonian Medical Institute, Medical Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment and Guesswork have them? Uh, why did they all immediately remember it? Why does everything seem to be... Um, Named uh, after the thing that it is. How come no one, nothing is just called Roger's Chicken? Why is it? Why? Why is everything in the Bones universe so on the nose? It's like it was written by a political cartoonist who can't stop labeling things. Why does the entire plot suddenly hinge on several people just remembering a news story? <laughs> oh, it, well, this is um, <clears throat> again. It's the writers who were like, "Oh yeah, I forgot. We're writing a show." Okay, oh, uh, how do we get it going from here? Do you want to rewrite some of the stuff we did earlier to kind of make it hang together? No, 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 no that's no, all no, written. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, we need to concentrate on writing the rest of it. It's due in 20 minutes. Instead, we're going to instantaneously produce the fingertips and declare without any form of testing that they belong to the corpse. How you would do that, considering the corpse had no fingerprints? Unclear. Maybe some guesswork. Maybe some sexual harassment. In an attempt to keep this B-plot going, we then have a very quick scene at Sweet's office where Angela is begging him for money to save the piglet. And he's telling her that she should um, get piped down instead. I don't know Again, why Angela has thing. to... I don't know why she has to ask everybody in her workplace for money for the pig. If you want to save the pig, save the fucking pig. Like, it's not... You guys seem like you're fairly wealthy. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, well, we immediately I mean, returned went to, the to art school. I don't know how much money she's going to be made. Um, oh, by the way, I, when the um, when when they talk about uh, the human toes ending up in the sandwich, I wrote down in my notes. Uh, this is the moment where I felt myself go begin go taking sanity damage. <laughs> um. So yes, Sweets is like, hey, I think because you've been Volcel for six months, you are now putting an unreasonable amount of attachment onto this pig. Instead, you should get someone to dick you down really hard. And she's like, hey, I'm going to be back about this fucking pig money. <laughs> we then return Let's to the FBI. The pig, money. <laughs> uh, pig better have my money. We return to the FBI where Booth is casually accusing this guy's wife of doing the murder and snipping off all of his thumbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she then admits to being the person who took the footage uh, and released it, but helpfully points them in the direction of a new suspect because the writer of the show forgot they were meant to have one. <laughs> there, there is no suspect of this murder who, in this episode who is a suspect for more than two scenes. That includes no. the person who did it. Yes. Um... So they've already talked to the environmentalist. And now you'll remember back at the back at the start of the episode that the security guard said half of the protesters are, are like animal rights people. Who are the other half, you might ask? Well, they're people who don't like the fact that the chicken farm is stinky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the dead guy's wife then points them in the direction of a new suspect. And she says, the main clear air nut 
is Roy Myers. He is a baker with a shop two miles downwind from Cluxton Farms. Because the wind goes in one direction all the time in Washington. Yeah. And Uh, it's very funny when they meet this guy and he's smoking cigars and he has a cigar cutter. And they're like, hmm. You did the murder. You reckon you could cut a finger off with that? And he's like, oh, for sure. You could cut a finger off so good with this thing. Please don't, please don't keep putting it over your finger like that, Bones. <laughs> it will cut You're it right off, I promise. You accidentally start cutting your own thumb off. And that would happen really easily with that cigar cutter that I carry at all times. <laughs> You're like, well, that's enough for us. You're a suspect in a murder case now. We then return to the Jeffersonian Medical Crime Institute for Sexual Harassment for another fat dose of sexual harassment. Oh, yes. Uh, Angela is now hassling Wendell, the intern, for money to save the pig. I still don't know why she can't pay for it herself. Uh, He slings her $45 to fuck off, and she immediately sexually harasses him by kissing him very hornily right there in the middle of the workplace. That's right. Um, because as we know, with workplace dramas, nothing can ever happen outside the workplace. Hmm. But if it does, you had fucking better make sure that it's in one of the two restaurants that everyone from that one workplace goes to. We <laughs> will right. not be eating anywhere else. <laughs> is, this a, is this a preview of the world after coronavirus, like, blows over? God. Go to one of our assigned venues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we return to the lab, at which point they they give us some medical terms to establish that there is some kind of like, um, what was it? Some kind of uh, fluid or chemical or whatever in, in the liquid or the bones where these thumbs have been cut off that indicates that they were cut off with something that had voltage running through it. Again, how like they are able to tell of... that after the thumbs are what, uh, uh, partially fro- like frozen, fried, and then eaten? Yeah, yeah. They're just saying, "Well, this will hold up in court." I assume. Like, they I just, I like just to look imagine like normal thumbs. The reason that you never get the, the 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 trial after the bones investigation is that none of this would hold up in court at all. Nothing. No, they are all immediately dismissed with prejudice by a very angry judge. <laughs> Another one who's like, these fucking guys again. Honestly. Um, yeah, this, this is another uh, This polycule keeps on bringing me ridiculous <laughs> for investigations. <laughs> um, but, they, but again, they say to themselves, well, something with voltage running through it. Okay, so some kind of self-cauterizing tool. Like the one you would use to cut off chicken's beaks. Um, that is enough cause for them to immediately drag in the woman whose job it is to cut off chicken's beaks at the farm and accuse her of murder. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yep. She informs them that the murder victim was a big piece of shit who groped her all the time at work. And they're like, oh, I guess you didn't murder him then. Yeah. They, they, he, <laughs> he groped her all the... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, mm, sorry, this is the Cluxton Farm Inst- uh, Institute for Chicken Farming. Not the Jeffersonian Medical Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment and Guesswork. That's our job. No, maybe if he worked with us, things would have worked out, you know? Yeah. But, um, like, I just, I just find it kind of funny that, like, the, um, 
being informed that this person did horrible stuff to her in her workplace on a constant basis is enough for them to make make them go, oh, you definitely didn't murder him then. Like, what reason would you have for retribution or whatever? Yeah. No, but couldn't couldn't be you because this is Bones and the only murders that get committed are the ones that are committed by people who don't have a good reason. That's right. So, um, we're trying to wrap up this B slash C plot now, which is the the fight, as you might call it, as much as it is between uh, Angela and Bones, because Bones refuses to have the slightest modicum of normal human empathy, and Angela is very horny and is channeling all of her horniness through trying to save a pig. And so, um, back in Sweets' office, Bones and Sweets are having a little chat about it. She's like, hey, don't you try to fucking psychoanalyze me, pal. And he's like, hey, 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 hey. So, um, Bones, in typical Bones fashion, says, eventually, Angela will see the rational nature of my argument. Saving one pig is an irrational act. Do you suggest... on the basis of what? That, I don't know, that other pigs are gonna get eaten? Like... It's like saying if, uh, if, if like 10 people a year get murdered, there's no point in trying to prevent anybody's murder, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the people who say, um, oh, I could slip and fall down in the bathtub and die at any time. So I should be able to drive drunk, technically. <laughs> that's, that's Bones Brennan. <clears throat> the, yeah, apparently the height of um, impeccable logic is just idiot fatalism. Yeah, that's it. Just, just, well, it's, it's, it is a... It's a, it's a stupid person's idea of what a smart person is. So, Sweets, as, as is his role in the show, is to say, hey, just try and act normal for two minutes. He says, maybe just, just try and help her out with the pig. Uh, and Bone says, but it is a meaningless act to save the life of one pathetic pig. Um, and Sweets <laughs> says, Negger, I like that. hey, it's meaningless by your definition, not Angela's. To which she replies, my definition is correct. <laughs> She's just the Terminator, isn't she? What, what's the point of writing a character this way? What's it, what's it doing for you in terms of storytelling? Well, what, what makes me really mad about this, right? What, what I said to you before we started recording this is that I genuinely struggle when we are talking about this show to not say things that sound very ableist about the character Bones. Because... She is written as somebody who has, like, severe Asperger's or, or autism or something, right? She is written as someone who is, like, um, she's, she's written as, like, a savant. Somebody who yeah. is, is so supremely, um, so supremely able in these different areas. But it has taken away her ability to, to you know, deal in normal human emotion. Like, I'm sure we said this in like the first episode, it's like fucking Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. It's, it's it. like they've gone, oh, he's so smart, but he's bad at talking to girls because of how smart he is. That's, and right. That's what being smart makes you. Yeah, and, and like the reality is, of course, people like this really exist. People who are extremely skilled in particular areas and are absolutely abysmal at interpersonal communication. The thing that offends me about the way that this is handled in this show is that it is absolutely like they have a big dial they have a big bones autism dial and they yeah. turn it right up 
for comedy or for the purposes of particular interpersonal story, like plot points. And then when they just want to move past something, they turn it right down and she totally gets what everyone's saying and doing and it's all fine. Mm -hmm. And the problem is... Complete, Complete plot flexibility. Yeah, is that, um, you know, anybody anybody who actually has to deal with that doesn't get to turn the dial down. Like, no, it's, uh, it doesn't really work like that, Bones. Uh, did, did we talk about, did we talk about the new Predator movie recently? The Predator? Uh, no. Did, didn't we talk about that? Um, because this is the thing where, like, I, I, like, have blocked this out after seeing this movie until someone raised it with me, right? There is a whole plot in this movie where um, one of the lead characters, his son, at the start of the movie, he is presented as like a very autistic uh, school-aged kid, as in like um, Rain Man type loud noises make him like bang the sides of his head and scream kind of thing but he's also really good at doing puzzles and putting things together he's you know they're doing like the the worst kind of tropes of things like rain man and mercury rising and sure and all that sort of stuff um however over the course of the movie as the plot goes on and as he is required to actually be involved in things they just gradually write it all out to the point where at the end of the movie He's just, he's just not like he was at the start of the movie at all. He's just, he's just, he's just a, he's just a normal, like a, like a totally neurotypical guy. Who's just like, yeah, he's, have a, he's a suddenly, <clears throat> he's suddenly neurotypical by the end of the movie, forcing me to come to the conclusion that what the movie is trying to say is that if you simply expose your autistic child to a series of loud explosions and gunfire, that this will shock them out of their autism, mm-hmm. forcing them to be normal yeah. and maybe even cool. It uh, is yeah, that's stunning. It. It's, that it's, you just need to, like, you know, make them, like, hunt the predator or whatever. Yeah, start, start just, like, throwing fireworks around your autistic kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, right. it's, it's terrible. It's, like, just the most carelessly handled portrayal in a film that I've seen probably in my life. And the two possibilities that you're forced to reckon with are that they either started off writing the character like that and then just got bored of it or decided this is kind of a pain to keep going through the course of this movie and just stopped doing it. Or that they were actually trying to say hey, a little adversity goes a long way to curing autism and both of those possibilities both of the possibilities are very bad there's there's no good version of this yeah (laughs) yeah and that's that's how bones makes me feel bones makes me feel like it is like this this level of her inability to conduct interpersonal relationships with people sometimes she looks at people like she's a fucking alien who cannot comprehend like the whole scene with angela earlier in this show where Angela's watching, like, you know, a bunch of battery farm chickens all getting their heads lopped off and rolled around in plucking machines. Um, and she looks really upset. And Bones is looking at her like like she's looking at something through a microscope, you know? Like she just doesn't understand at all this thing that she's seeing. Mm-hmm. But then whenever it matters, in terms of just moving the fuck past anything... yeah. 
she's totally fine to to get like you know interpersonal relationships and all that kind of stuff well, because on on balance bones is just is she the portrayal of bones is of someone who's you know honestly who's not neurotypical and you know what it's on balance a huge asset for her yes you know, and then and because she can just sort of brain she can always like think think out any um and any any challenge that's prevented her in terms of social interaction she can rationality rationally get her way there which again i think is the definition of that's how someone would write a non-neurotypical character if they i don't know glanced at a wikipedia definition of the autism spectrum that was written on a billboard while they were driving by it super drunk really fast oh bones oh, so bones, bones bones so we wrap up this meeting with sweets by sweets saying to her um because because he says it, you know saving the pig is meaningless by your definition not angela's and she replies my definition is correct which is fucking stupid Yes, stupid thing stupid. to say. We are talking about an absolutely subjective assessment of something, which could be argued to the ends of the earth and constantly is on a daily basis all around the world. But Sweet says, yes, agreeing with her that her definition is correct, that saving a pig from being killed in a slaughterhouse is a meaningless act. And if life was a debate, you would win hands down. But we know this thing to say to someone. <laughs> yeah. The perfect, uh, very healthy thing for a psychologist to say to someone is, "You have never been wrong." <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's everyone else is the problem, but you have to pretend. And, and he says to her, "We know this isn't a debate," and also she wouldn't win the fucking debate. She would state that her position was flawless, and refuse to back it up. And then the debate moderator would say. Well, you don't you lose. That's sorry. You, <laughs> you have failed lost. to convince me. You did a me. bad job. Mm. He says, uh, you know, the world is shitty. The world is shitty and a lot of bad stuff happens. You, Bones, you handle that knowledge by imposing a gossamer web of rationality over the ugliness. Like the little Ben Shapiro you are. <laughs> Angela has a different right. way of handling things. Sometimes you don't save the world, you just make your friend happy. I don't think killing a pig was going to save the world either, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's, uh, it's time to wrap this shit up. It's, um, oh, yeah, they forgot to do, um, they forgot to solve the murder. Forgot to <laughs> solve the murder. It's, it's 1am on Thursday night. The deadline for getting this script in is 9am Friday morning. And this person is panicking. Oh, fuck. I forgot to finish the episode. They have looked at the... Uh, they've looked at the guy's skull. There's a bunch of strikes to it all happening in one direction, except for an, an occluded shape. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they look says. at this earlier? I don't They're know why. They, this now. is the first time they've looked at this dude's fucking battered in skull. Oh, you know, we looked at every other bone. We forgot the skull again. <laughs> it's called bones because we go through all of them in sequence. We start with the pinky toe. Mm, skull is near the end of the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, skull's right up the other end of the body from there, so it makes sense that you know we get there last. They uh, they look at the strikes, and Bone says, oh, "I saw the video from the thing. I know what the cause of death slash murder weapon was. It was the chicken plucking machine." 
He was wearing a tie. The tie would have got sucked in. His head got pulled in and batted about by the little knobs that plucked the chicken. Crime solved. They say, what about? Well, it could have been an accident. She says, well, what about the little shape? The shape is the same size as a hand. Therefore, if we can establish anyone who got their hand broken, we'll know it was them. Uh, They look through the little medical records and who should have had a broken hand in the recent past but the security guard from the beginning of the episode who really exhibited no other signs of being the murderer. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, we can't just introduce a new character at the very end who's the murderer because we've done that once already this season. Yes. We can't do it again. Uh, There's only so many get out of jail free cards you have as a writer. Get, Get into jail, in my opinion. Yes. Um, now, as, as we like to see happen on Bones, they bring him in and they say, did you do it? And he goes, ah, oh, you got me. <laughs> yep. Yep. I did it. It was goes, me. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, shit. Uh, I oh, thought sheesh. I got away. With, I thought I got away with it, but then you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> My one weakness, a direct question. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Should I, the what, the amendment? Oh, like should I have a lawyer? Should I have a lawyer present? Fuck! He could have just said no, I didn't, and they would have gone. Ah, well, um, we have a particular kind of amino acid in a thumb that has been deep fried, and we think that that means that you cut his his thumbs off with the chicken beak machine at some undetermined point later oh, yeah. in the future. How, how did the thumbs get cut off? Why did the thumbs get cut off? That's never addressed. Yeah, I mean, the... You can kind of guess why someone would do it, but, like, I don't know. This is a show. They should mention it. They don't really wrap that up. I guess you're supposed to just infer that he cut all of his, like, fingerprints off to stop him from identifying the body, maybe? Hold on, especially because his first thing is he says is, yes, I did it, but it was an accident. And then Booth is like, ah, well, if it was an accident, never mind. You're free to go. You're free to go, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Which is without real... Yeah, sorry. Accidentally killed a guy, then cut his thumbs off and dumped him in the river, which I admit is not a very chickeny way to go, which is weird because he looks like a chicken. Mm. Uh, anyway, can I go? And uh, Bones is like, he's lying. The directional strikes that hit the skull and also his hand indicate that he wasn't trying to save him. He was pushing him in. And the guy goes... Oh, my one weakness, inferring that I murdered a man. Now I have to tell you all the reasons I resented him. Yeah, it was about a gas allowance. Apparently the guy was a shitty boss. Yep. Uh, anyway, yep. that's that's the murder. <laughs> there you go. There's the murder story wrapped up. That's the murder story. Once again, uh, they have just sort of said, hey, did, did you do it? I think what would save them a lot of time is if with all of the people that they spoke to over the course of the investigation, they just started off by asking them, did you do it? Yeah, well, basically every episode of Bones, it seems, is um, it starts with five minutes of establishing some wild theory. Uh, The Crystal Method theme song. 10 minutes of sort Mm -hmm. of setting up whatever sexual harassment related B plot there is. And then sort of... 20 minutes of them asking unrelated people if they committed a murder all of those people saying no and then being like hmm all right and then finding one other person they at the to ask if they committed the murder and we that find them eventually yes they're like good i can go home fuck 
Finally, I've asked the right person if they did it. Yeah, because apparently that is the, the one weakness of everybody in the Bones universe is that if you are asked if you did the murder, you have to say yes, if you did. Everyone's a cop and they can't lie to you. Yep. Uh, so he was mad that he had to drive long distance to work. Uh, he wanted a gas allowance. Uh, the guy said no. And he was like, oh, damn. I'm going to push you into a chicken plucking machine. Mm-hmm. And then just to wrap up all the other shitty plots... Uh, Bones gives Angela all the money for her pig because apparently Bones is independently wealthy enough to effectively solve any given problem by just throwing money at it. Mm-hmm, Which is pretty right. cool, I guess. Pretty cool. Uh, she could have could have done it right at the start instead of being a big old bitch. Exactly right, us, but saved us from the C plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no C plot in this; just the B plot. Uh, I, th- I think the C the C plot was um, I think the C plot was Angela fucking uh, the intern uh, um, because at the end oh, we also, they also got... Go ahead. yeah Sorry, it... I was gonna say that at, at the end we also have um, Booth observing that um, we also have Booth observing that uh, Wendell and Angela are canoodling at the bar. And he's like, that's why she's happy. She's finally been piped down. Finally. And down. And uh, and that's it. That's it. They're just like, I could have given my... I could have made this episode way shorter by just giving my friend the money she asked for and then asking uh, everybody I ran into if they did the murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It Take solve crimes. A, a four-minute episode of television. It's interesting that nobody ever says... I want my lawyer or I didn't do it or anything because that yep. would require them to like press the court case, you know, mm-hmm. but we no, wouldn't want to have that because any judge yeah. would be like, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? Please let this man go immediately and start preparing his compensation. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And that is it for episode six, season five of Bones, the only season of Bones that I will ever be watching. That's right. Wonderful stuff. It turns out it wasn't a chicken super soldier. It's just kind of a guy. Yeah, just a, it was a guy. Um, yep, yeah, it was just a guy. Just a healthy dose of irony that he happened to work at a chicken associated venue. You know? Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird when you think about it. <laughs> anyway <laughs> congratulations to the writers of season 5 of Bones the most lazily written TV show that we've ever watched mm-hmm. that's it thank you again for joining us and we will return next week with episode <laughs> 7 absolutely episode 7 season 5 ah. of Bones thanks everybody thanks for ah. subscribing to either Bunta Vista or Trash Feature indeed and we'll you, uh, you know Stay safe out there. Um, Don't get coma brain. Don't get coma brain. If you do get coma brain, immediately put your favorite belt buckle back on. (laughs) It'll cure it. It will help to reorient you in your surroundings. Please remember your favorite comedic belt buckle. (laughs) Fastest way to treat coma brain. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.